Welcome to another episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. Today we have an amazing and special guest, Paula Izelt. Did I get that right? I just want to make sure I got it right. We Perfect. were practicing beforehand. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. What part of the world are you in today? I'm in Miami, Florida. This is not where I I live. We're here for a screening for Aftershock, actually. So this is a hotel. Oh, look at that. <laughs> okay. Uh, we often start each one of our episodes by having our guests kind of walk us through the arc of their career. And you're a director, a producer, a cinematographer, and you've been doing this for well over a decade. Now, walk us through the arc of your career and your projects uh, since finishing film school. And at what point did you know that creating film and documentaries and telling stories would be your calling? Yeah, thank you. And I can't believe I've been doing this for over a decade. I just felt really old for a second because <laughs> was that's how I framed the question. You're not old. You're just seasoned you know in the industry. I, I, I love that. I love that. Um, so I I got into filmmaking or decided I wanted to be a filmmaker when I was in high school. Um I, you know, I went to a uh, Jewish Orthodox high school, so it, it wasn't something that I was surrounded by really. Um, but one day I picked up Requiem for a Dream, which is mm. a crazy film uh, by Darren Aronofsky, pulled it off of block, the shelf of Blockbusters, like, let me see what this is, and was really floored by it in terms of the filmmaking and the, the collaborative um, essence of filmmaking that you can really see in that film. So I said, you know, I really want to, I want to do this. I, I'm, you know, I love storytelling. I was a writer. This is what I want to do. So I, um, I started interning and, and, and trying to get into film school because I didn't have a film background and, um, and interned for for Darren Aronofsky and, and other production companies and got into NYU film school, which was an amazing thing. Um, while I was there, um, I met one of my mentors, Marco Williams, um, who's a veteran documentarian, mm -hmm. and he and he's he's incredible. And he really opened my eyes up to documentary. I, I initially went in fiction focused, but um, but really fell in love with documentary through Marco. And um, after graduating, I, I worked for him, and I worked on some other films, um, you know, um, as, as an assistant producer and some other stuff, and then decided, you know, I was gonna, I really wanted to direct and I was gonna make my own. So um, my first feature is called 93 Queen. Um, it's about a group of Hasidic women um, from Brooklyn who started the first all-female ambulance corps um, in the US. And um, that was a co-production with POV, um, and R10 is now on HBO Max. And, you know, I was really interested in that point of, you know, telling a story about women's empowerment, especially marginalized women from within, um, really, you know, character-driven, human-driven stories um, are, are what I'm drawn to. And, and that's how you can shed light on, on injustice. And, um, and then in 2017, while I was actually finishing that feature, um, a slew of articles came out from ProPublica um, about the U.S. maternal mortality crisis. Mm -hmm. And as a mom of four, um, I've had my own traumatic birth experiences. I was not seen. I was not heard. And, and that and so maternal health is something that's really, really personal to me and was also a, a motivator for working with these women in, in, in Brooklyn, uh, these Hasidic women. So when I saw 
those articles that and realize that the U.S. was in fact in crisis, that we are yes. the most dangerous country in the industrialized world to give birth in, mm -hmm. and Black women die at a rate three times as white women. Um, I was floored. It, it struck me um, to the core. I realized that what I had it, what I experienced on an individual level, Black women were experiencing at really, really high rates. So I pitched the project to Concordia Studio, um, became a fellow there. Uh, Roddy Taylor is the head of that fellowship and she's also a longtime uh, mentor supporter. She used to work at Sundance and Roddy Taylor is just amazing. So big shout out to Roddy. Um, and, and because of her, I got the development funding to start this project and um, started researching, really um, embedding myself um, into the who the who the leaders were in the birth justice movement, really getting a, a, a lay of the land in that respect, and just educating myself um, on the history and 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 on the current state of affairs with maternal mortality, and um, and then one of and I was looking for a collaborator too mm. um, from from day one. I wanted to co-direct this. Um, it's a huge national crisis, and um, I really wanted to work with someone um, within the community that can give a perspective that I don't have as well. So um, I was talking to a lot of people, but it wasn't until an early development shoot that I had uh, where I met Tanya, and um, and we I, I I realized who she was and and the incredible work that she does in her community and we we met and um, decided to to go forward. So um, that's the gist of how I got to you know to aftershock. But I, I can keep going for a long time. So let me know. If you no, have. I mean, that's that's kind of amazing that you're here. That's you know African American female mortality is my number one political issue. We talk about it on the show often because my wife nearly died giving birth to our twins. She was in ICU for the first 36 hours of our children's life. And so you sharing those stories is so important, which leads me to my next question, which, you know, I have a lot of young people who listen and they always come up to me talking about career paths and the nuances thereof. So I would have to ask you about one of your nuances, just plainly, why documentaries? And what is it about that genre of storytelling that keeps you doing what you do? Because you're so talented that I'm pretty sure you could escape and go into other genres of filmmaking as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I first went into film school, I was like, I'm going to do fiction. You know, um, I love movies and exactly I want to escape and I want to just, you know, and I still love doing that. But um, I realized, you know, initially through Marco Williams class and then when I started doing my own my own work that um, reality really is stranger than fiction. And <laughs> especially, now. especially now, especially now. And just like there are so many real people that I want to connect with and who have incredible stories that I don't need to create, that they are already there. And documentary film is it's really this medley it could be, I mean, there are different also genres within documentary, but the ones that I've done thus far, um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a combination of art. It's also social justice. There's a journalistic part of it. And um, at my core, you know, I'm an artist and I'm an activist. I really believe that um, and have seen how art and film can have serious impact um, 
with 93 Queen. That film was used um, to uh, get this organization, Ezra's Nashim, um, an ambulance. And also um, it was used in Albany to um, get them their certification to, I mean, their license to actually operate an ambulance and be, and, you know, and become an official ambulance corps. So that was, you know, evidence of what film can do. And then with Aftershock, I mean, we're just getting started, but it, it's with, with the release of this film, we have had countless hospitals, insurance companies, organizations reaching out, wanting to have screenings. We're working with impact strategists. I mean, this is a conversation that so many people want to be having, and there's so much change that needs to be done and can be done. So, um, so I think, you know, documentary has the power to do all of that. I mean, so does fiction film, but like really documentary can be used as a tool for change. And I also just, you know, love the relationships with the real people on the ground. Um, that, that's my favorite part. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. So one of the reasons that we wanted to have you on the show is because of Aftershock and the work that you're doing and our work around this issue. But talk to our listeners about what Aftershock is actually about and what is it about the two women in this documentary that made you say, I have to do this project? Yeah, so Aftershock, you know, tells the story of the U.S. maternal mortality crisis through the lived experiences um, of families affected and um, change makers on the ground working to, to fix our very broken system. It's a human-driven story, a character-driven story, um, the heart and souls of the film um, are Shamani Gibson mm -hmm. and Amber Rose Isaac, two young, beautiful, vibrant women who lost their lives um, preventatively in, in childbirth. And it's their families that have turned their pain into power and are really um, making sure that something is done and there is justice um, to be had for, their, for Shamani and Amber. Um, we follow... Shawnee Benton Gibson, who um, who I call the guiding light um, of this film. It wasn't until I met Shawnee that I knew that we had a film because, you know, as we're talking about documentary, you know, there are there are articles and 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 and, and all of that. And you can understand an issue based on that. But really, it's not a film until you have 
a story till you have a person, till you have a human being. And Shawnee put out a call in December, 2019, that she was creating this event called Aftershock, um, which becomes the namesake of the film. So I was going to, that was, that's kind of my next question. So you're like, where, where did the title Aftershock come from? You're kind of natural at this. So roll right into it. <laughs> okay. So, so Shawnee put out this call. She named this event called Aftershock. Um, this was a celebration of Shamani's life who had just passed away two months prior. And it was literally two months after she passed. Um, it was Aftershock was to celebrate her life and also hold a community conversation about maternal health. And Shawnee named that event Aftershock because the way she puts it is, you know, when a mother dies, there's an aftershock that ripples through the family, through the community and through our nation. So um, it's really, I mean, it, it can't get more uh, profound and perfect than that because that's really what happens. Um, when, when a mother dies, a world is shattered, an entire world. So um, that, that's where that name comes from. And then meeting Shawnee at that event, um, I mean, the second I spoke to her, she's like, come film. You know, she wanted this story out there. She wanted everyone to know who her daughter was and and what happened to her. So not, so this can never happen to another woman again. And through Shawnee, of course, we meet Omari Maynard, who's Shamani's partner. Um, and then through Omari, we meet Bruce. Um, Bruce is the partner of Ambrose Isaac, who died in April of 2020, um, also very preventable. Um, she was neglected and, and really, really did not have, both these women should not have, should, should be here today. And um, the activism of, of Shawnee, Omari and Bruce is, is just, it's the core of our film and um, it's incredible. And they're just incredible people. And I can, you know, I can, I can go on about that, but let me know. So what was that? What was the, what has happened since 2020 with your, with Shawnee and one of your main characters and her family. Yes. So Shawnee, the, the irony of this is that Shawnee was in reproductive justice work prior to Shamani dying. I mean, that's the thing. Like this family knew everything. They were, they, they did everything right. They were prepared for this birth. They, they like, and anything that you're supposed to do, you know, being a, a pregnant person, they did. Mm-hmm. And more, much more than even the average person, much more. So Shama, so Shawnee was in this work. And really since um, since Shamani passed, she's just been on a, a mission to, to prevent this from happening. Shawnee speaks everywhere. She holds programs. She's a community activist and healer. She's contracted by the New York City Health Department. So she's, you know, She's incredible, and Omari, um, who again is the is the partner of Shamani. Her and Omari started this organi- organization called the Aria Foundation, and it's about using art for change. And it's really art based because, in addition to Shawnee being an educator, she's also an artist and a performer, and uses a lot of that in her work. And Omari himself is an artist; he's a painter. And through the film, we see this happening. But Omari ends up. What he does is he paints other portraits of of women who have died in childbirth mm, and next. I can't. I, I'm not emotionally suited to do that. Yeah. But talk about she, this real quick. I mean, you you do profile, and I don't want to spoil the movie, but you do go in and talk about to, you know, 
two individuals who were left to raise children as single fathers. What did they teach you in this film? Yeah, I mean, the relationship between Omari and Bruce, um, you know, was something incredible to see. You know, that first event aftershock that, that I mentioned before, Omari already had a men's circle there. He already planned, um, he already created space to connect with other fathers going through the same pain and forming that brotherhood um, is so, so important to him and, and to Bruce. And, you know, people often ask, like, you know, it's so interesting you focus on the fathers and, you know, it's it was never even this big intention because it's so it's so organic and obvious when when a partner dies you know the 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 surviving partner is the one that's left behind so of course we're going to follow the fathers and um and it's especially meaningful to to uplift black fatherhood because you know it's not this is not something we the mainstream media shows and Omari and Bruce are amazing people, but they're also regular guys. These are regular fathers. There's so many fathers just like them. And, and I think, you know, the, the surprise, not your surprise, but others who've said like, you know, we see the fathers, it's because we don't see them enough in media. We don't see this representation enough. So when people see it, it's so refreshing, but it shouldn't be that way. Um, These are, these are normal, normal, regular guys who who were thrust into this horrible situation and um they're incredible because they're they're i mean their their activism is is exploding and 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 you know i don't think i could have done that and they're so they're incredible for that but in terms of um being incredible fathers i mean of course why wouldn't they be and um you know bruce i just want to mention bruce because he's been doing incredible work um, in terms of policy um, advocacy. He's bringing a birthing center to the Bronx. Um, he just worked on something called the womb bus, which is healthcare on wheels that is actually active in the Bronx right now. Him and Omari were at the White House the other week talking about paternal mental health, which is so important because uh, we don't hear about that I enough. I talked about so. that with Mayor, Mayor Pete and I have had conversations about that, the import of, of that type of paternal health. That's amazing. That's so important. I mean, so to watch to watch them and and their activism is 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 incredibly inspiring. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear. Especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? 
you take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Let me ask you this question. What do you want people who, um, the first question is decently easy. The second question is a little bit more challenging, but what do you want? Second part of the question. What do you want people who watch Aftershock to take away from it? But if a policymaker watches Aftershock, what do you, mm-hmm. you want that policymaker to take away from it and implement? Okay, I'll answer the first part first. Um, so, you know, I want two things from for, from people watching Aftershock. First and foremost, I want women and birthing people to feel empowered. This is not um, a doom and gloom film. That's not what we intended to make. Um, I want people to know you have choice around birth. Um, you can choose your provider, you can choose a midwife, which we didn't get into here, but that's a huge part of this issue is that we do not have an integrated maternal health system. And, um, and you can choose who's in the room with you and where you want to birth. Um, You have a right to demand evidence-based care. So um, I, I, you know, I want women to feel empowered around their births and that they have the human right to have autonomy um, in that regard. And um, I also want accountability. I want um, the systems who are responsible, hospital systems, insurance companies, government to, to see this and, and really um, do a deep dive into their, into their systems and, and, and come up with ways to fix this because this is not something that, that can go on. Um, I'm talking about the high rate of C-sections. Yep. Um, I'm talking about the structural racism that's embedded that does not see or hear black women when they're when they're saying there's something wrong. I mean, there this is a very solvable crisis. We do not have to be in crisis. So, I guess in terms of policymakers, there are so many things that could be done. Um, firstly, postpartum care in this country is abysmal because we don't have postpartum care. I was like, what um, is that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, we don't have to pit a paid family leave. We don't have anything, but in terms of postpartum care, I mean, there are certain states where Medicaid stops covering women after six weeks and a third of the deaths happen up to one year postpartum. So there is movement now in certain states to extend that coverage, but that that has to be federal. That has to be everywhere. Um, We need to make more room for midwives in the system. We need to make space for for midwives, especially black midwives. Um, There's lots of licensure um, blocks that make it very difficult for that to happen, but we need to expand the perinatal workforce and and allow access to midwives. That means hospitals need to um, make room for them. There should be incentives for hiring midwives um, in their systems. 
um, local governments should allow more birthing centers to to come to be. There's tons of restrictions on who can who can create a birthing center or um, what kind. It's like it's almost the same as abortion care. It's which is separate conversation, but there's so many blocks here of, of making those things happen and they can alleviate that. Um, the Momnibus bills right now are, you know, were a set of bills that were introduced by Lauren Underwood and co-sponsored by Cory Booker and VP Kamala Harris. They're waiting to be passed. They would be the single biggest investment in maternal health, especially black maternal health in this country that would extend postpartum care, cover doula services, integrate midwives. There's so much that that set of bills can do. So I would say help pass those bills. How can people watch the film and follow you on social media? Thank you. So the film is now on Hulu. So everyone can please watch it on Hulu. It's on, and it's on Disney plus worldwide. Um, on Disney plus too. Look at you. (laughs) International. Yeah. Um, and um, you can follow me on social media. My Instagram is Pizelt, P-I-Z-E-L-T. Um, I'm also on Twitter, Paula Izelt. And um, please, please follow Aftershock Documentary as well. That's on IG and, and Twitter. Last question for you. What stories do you want to tell that you haven't told yet? And what other projects are you working on that you can actually talk about? Yeah, I, that, that's great. I mean, I'm speaking of documentary, like I do hope to do fiction down the road. That is something I still would like to do. And um, my, you know, I think I'm always drawn to stories about, um, you know, trailblazers and regular people who do incredible things. So um, that's what I'm drawn to. But my, my next projects, which I can talk about. Some are more archival based. So I'm excited to look into some historical elements and, um, and yeah, and do a deep dive into that. But um, I will say I I am working on something um, in terms of uh, Roe v. Wade. So that's um, a project that I'm currently on. Paula, I go out and enjoy Miami. Um, If we don't get climate change under control, it may not be here in 30 years. So go enjoy it. (laughs) And thank you for everybody go out and watch Aftershock and thank you for taking some time to join us on this very important issue. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a lovely conversation. Be blessed. Bye-bye.